Hello guys and welcome to this episode of A Chat With Pat. Uh, on this episode, I'm joined by Brandon Hasick. He's owner of Body by Brando Gyms in Sydney. Uh, Brando's an insightful dude and we talk about the fitness industry and how he went about starting his own gym, the stresses and challenges that he faced, um, his background in exercise and sports science and how injury prevention led him to wanting to move better and help other people move better. He's got a great philosophy in really empowering clients and people to train like an athlete but along with that is develop themselves emotionally and improve themselves mentally. Uh, Brando's got a great outlook not just on fitness but in life as well. We delve into a little bit of stoicism that he gets into, positive thinking and um, a whole range of different things and the body by Brando philosophy and training where everyone should be trained like an athlete and should delve into different modalities. No matter what it is, if you want to get stronger, if you want to get fitter, body by Brando endorse the fact of becoming a better all-rounded athlete. Um, we talk about a wide range of things, but I think the thing that rings true is just Brando being an absolutely legendary good bloke and I um, appreciate him giving up his time to chat with me over Zoom. This episode is brought to you by the wonderful local Portland Cafe Lido Lada. In these restrictions, please make sure you get down and support a local business. Um, buy some takeaway coffees, get a takeaway sandwich, Say hello to the girls down there. Um, thank you for your sponsorship. We really appreciate it. And amongst all this, remember to love and care for each other. Look after each other and uh, get yourself through each day as it comes because we're going to get closer to that to that day where we overcome all this. So please look after yourself. Enjoy this episode. Take away what you can from it. And there's plenty more, plenty more content to come. Enjoy, guys. Love you all. You. G'day, 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 viewers, listeners, Snake Edwards on the recorder here. This one's a belter. Episode 16 of A Chat With Pat. I've got Brandon Hasick, uh, Bachelor of Sports Science, owner of Body by Brando Gym in Sydney. All-around legend, great man. I'm so pleased to have you on. Thanks for coming on, mate. Thank you. Appreciate it, brother. Thank you. Yeah. Now, obviously, as I said, I own a body by Brando Gym. Uh, we all started way back somewhere in fitness and sport. We were always a machine, mate. Where you, what, where'd, this all st- where'd this all start? I mean, with your fitness and, I guess, sporting background. I mean, New South Wales boy, I believe. So, did you play NRL footy and where'd that come from? <laughs> yeah, um, it did. I, I think I started playing footy as, as early as I could. Um, I think they took you on at five and I think I made made them take me on at four because my brother was playing and I just wanted to get out there. <laughs> I think I was I would have been about ten kilos running around the park. I think probably running backwards. <laughs> um footy and cricket was the where it all started. I mean, yeah, dad just used to be out the backyard just throwing balls at me if it was summer and then when it was winter it was footy in hand. Yeah. Gear on. Yeah, yeah. So it was always that sporting background and then when did you kind of get, I guess, serious into, I guess, fitness? When did kind of all kick off in that regard? I mean, as I said, sports science degree. Was that when you kind of knew, well, I might as well dig deep into this? Yeah, it was a, I always wanted to do physio. So um, uh, through school and through sport, like I got to about the 14, 15-year-old mark and, and I just wasn't getting any better at sport because everyone was really getting stronger, fitter, faster. And every yeah. time I tried... <clears throat> I would uh, end up getting injured and I spent a lot of time, you know, oh. ankles used to roll all the time and I'd like 
constantly be out with that or my shoulders would dislocate. You were that um, kid. <laughs> I was just that kid that was always injured and I felt like a, yeah, bit of a spaz. So I think I sort of dedicated in my mind that I wanted to get to the stage where I could solve that problem. And then it just became a bit obsessive and I always wanted to solve the problem of making sure people didn't get hurt so they could get to where they wanted to get to. And I'd just use myself as a, a bit of a guinea pig to get there. So physio was the the mindset and I uh, didn't quite get the mark. So I was going to get a long way around with sports science and then move across to physio. But um, I started to really enjoy the, the journey of sports science and, and interacting with people before they got injured. So that's where that background sort of come from. Yeah, yeah. And for anyone, well, they will follow you after listening to this episode on Instagram. <laughs> they, should, they should already. Being it should be. But the best thing I've time about you is that you're always putting up content and then mainly about looking after ourselves and injury prevention. And I think it's something that gets really lost in, in between of lifting heavy ass weight or performing real well or running a 40 minute 10 K. It just, yeah. oh, and the big thing is that what sets you out different is like, well, we can be stronger mobility wise and prevent ourselves injury wise. Yeah. hundred yeah. percent. And the philosophy we're trying to bring across is that they're not two separate entities. Like you yeah. can do, both of them together, <clears throat> it's just that most people see them as two separate entities. So they go, oh, I'll just move heaps heavy or run heaps far and do more than what I can and then I'll recover, but they never recover. But it's like we try and teach people that you can just move really well. And over time, if you progressively overload, you're going to be moving really well and you're going to be doing more with your body and have that higher capacity. So, you know, people that are stronger are generally harder to kill and can do more things. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and how did, I guess, in, in trying to develop your philosophy is that, I mean, the thing you talk about a lot is that everyone somewhat deserves to be building a better body, but also be deserved to train like an athlete. Is that fair to say? Yeah. Is, yeah. is that something that you've always kind of believed, even though you had those injuries early on, or were you kind of like, also delving out so like fuck I shouldn't go what's the point of doing mobility I can deadlift this much or whatever was it something that you always had in the back of your mind yeah I think so I've never really been one to to want to lift that heavy I've always been um obsessed with like creating poetry in motion like I like to make everything look the way it should and and efficiency of motion so I always start with that and then you get better and stronger as you go whereas I think the people they do it the wrong way around, often have a shorter career. Um, I see the long-term journey. I just enjoy training for the sake of training yeah. and, and moving. I think I enjoy the, uh, the science and even the art behind moving really well. Mm. And, I, and I like to fine-tune that process. Whereas if your goal is to lift 100 kilos, you'll probably get there. And then what are you willing to sacrifice to get there is, yeah. Yeah. is uh, usually where most people come unstuck. Yeah, yeah. Have you seen that people's um, perspective of injury prevention and that kind of stuff, mobility, has changed over the years slowly? I think it's starting to become a lot more mainstream. Like, there's a lot more people talking about it, whether or not they're doing it the right way. I mean, at least the conversations are getting started now. Like, you've got some really smart heads out there yeah. that are bringing it to mainstream, like, you know, Keegan's and the Real Movement, those type of guys, the Creature Boys. Like, there's some smart people really trying to train, train well. But um, yeah, hopefully it keeps going. Yeah, exactly right. Exactly. Right. So going right back, starting your own business. I mean, it's a difficult time, I mean, especially right now. But even just starting in general, 
starting your own gym business where it's quite competitive in Australia. How did that kind of come about? And was there any difficulties or bumps you went, went along the way in starting your own gym in such a city like Sydney? Yeah. When you look back, I was like, fuck, it's probably the worst city to start a gym in. <laughs> they're all Melbourne. Like. <laughs> yeah, they're in Melbourne. Like the two cities where there's just a gym, literally like a Macca's. There's one on every corner. Yeah. But um, I don't know. I never thought about it. I just, yeah. I think probably a bit of naivety crossed with a bit of arrogance. I just never thought of failing. Like I just did it and then it just hasn't gone backwards. So I'm not sure if, you know, the 15 hour days have probably... Uh, correlated pretty highly with that success <laughs> on that end, <laughs> the stuff that people don't see. But I just constantly, like anyone who knows me, knows that I pretty much think about it 24-7 and that's a double-edged sword. So, um, yeah, I just didn't think of failing. I just did it. Yeah. Was it hard to balance everything else out? I mean, obviously your own training, your own nutrition, running a business, putting up with you know clients, all that other stuff. Was it hard for yourself mentally and I guess physically to balance all that out at the start? Yeah, I think so. Especially when you're doing big days, like you're constantly tired, you're constantly sore. You know, you, there's a few years early on where when I was doing every session, um, training yeah. took a back seat and I didn't really progress for a long time. But so, you were coaching every session? Yeah, when I first started, it was like the 5.30, or probably didn't have a 7.30 back then. 5.30, 6.30, and then 4.30, 5.30, 6.30 p.m. Monday to Friday plus Saturday. Mm. You know, you didn't have any money to pay someone to coach. Yeah all the money had to be, you know, invested back into yourself. And then, then you start making a bit more money. You buy, you know, hire one coach and it just goes on that cycle. Yeah. Um, and now sort of, we got the both gyms where I only do a few sessions, but took a long time and effort to get there. Yeah. <laughs> That's the thing. Like people kind of tend to forget is that there's always that hard work. And the thing that I've always found interesting, these amazing people like yourself, Danny Kennedy, who I had on earlier, Ralph is like, there is no replacement for hard fucking work. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. everyone thinks that, oh, yeah, there's this 15 minutes of fame, it's going to pop out, out of it, it's just going to happen. Well, it's not, not going <laughs> to, no matter what you do with anything. Nah, yeah, 100%. Those boys have worked hard too. Like, you don't, you don't have eight coaches on day one. And the people that do, they've either got investors that are pumping yeah. them full of cash, which probably isn't going to work either, but that's a different story. Yeah, I exactly. Think, you know, you've got to earn your stripes if you're going to run your own business and learn what it's like to to work 40 hours a week on the floor and then plus send emails, make sure this person gets a touch point and those types of things. So. Yeah. yeah. And those kind of, I guess, gyms that have those, I guess, investors, I find is that compared to guys like you, you guys still have that genuine authenticity about it, about yourselves, you know, you're saying by the yeah. cup across through the Instagram page and then in the background as well, talking, is that true authenticity as well? <laughs> Yeah. 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 hundred <clears throat> percent. Yeah. We say that all the time with, you know, me and my staff as well. It's like, just be authentic. Like it's going to come through in coaching and it's going to come through across on social media. You don't need to be two different people. Yeah. For yourself. People will like you or not. Yeah. You are, and they'll gravitate towards you if they do. So. Yeah. And that definitely builds a better client and coach relationship. You get put more people on the stay and hang around even when they could probably go off and know what to do and, keep themselves pretty well but they want to be a part of that culture and that team environment yeah yeah 100 percent. And it, and it does become your life like you've got to be prepared to make it um your life like your clients become your friends you don't have too much time to go to other people's you know birthdays obviously you still can but it's like you've got 150 clients at paddington 150 at uh or probably 100 at the moment at waterloo you know there's only 52 weekends in the year yeah. and someone wants you to go to their birthday almost every weekend and then it's christmas yeah. and then 
you know, so you're constantly doing stuff and you've got to be pretty much, you know, balls deep in the community, which yeah. is good. Yeah. How would you describe, I guess, body by Brando's, I guess, philosophy, I guess, overall overarching their fitness philosophy in a nutshell? Yeah, it's a tough one, hey? There's a few <laughs> different taglines along the way. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I speak about this a lot. I think it's the, uh, I like the term expanding, you know, what people think is humanly possible and then giving them the tools to achieve it. And we use the vehicle of fitness because it's just, you know, something, you know, it's metaphorically, you get stronger every day, but then, it can't, you know, the metaphor is that it helps you do things in other facets of life, which you may not thought you could do, you know, like yourself, you know, you're doing the podcast now, um, you know, you're doing your certs and you want to, achieve like a different career if you're not mentally resilient that you earn through fitness when are you going to develop that resilience so obviously the physical side of things but the overarching like just using it as a vehicle to expand what you think you can actually do surround yourself with people that do the same thing and then what you know what can you achieve so that's what we want to encompass as a brand yeah i've seen that definitely it's you know health and that gets lost a fair bit I mean, I think well, I, I think that people so kind of forget just how important it is that and transferable in being physically fit is being mentally strong, like yeah, and and vice versa. I think that just kind of gets lost sometimes. Like yeah, there are some protocols that you can do physically which should help you so much more physically, and vice versa. But I just think the connection between the two just gets so lost in it all. And that's something that you probably do great preach. Well. Yeah, well, that's it. I mean, they're not they don't have to be you know, correlated 100% of the time. But at the same time, like people who are physically strong aren't there by chance. You don't, you know, you don't do muscle, uh, squat snatches and muscle-ups by chance. You've got to have done something along the way, created daily habits, make it a behaviour, make it, you know, your core part of your life that you can be disciplined enough to reach that. Yeah. And then hand in hand, the byproduct is, you know, you can do um, almost anything if you put your mind to it. Whereas someone who eats potato chips and gets out of bed at nine o'clock every morning like they're probably not going to look great and they're probably yeah. not going to feel great like yeah no one's going to take health advice off you if you don't look that way as well <laughs> yeah exactly like you're not sort of confident in who you are so they go hand in hand but they can be separate as well it's that like that growth mindset kind of thing where it's like fuck well i may as well try and i may as well if i fuck up we're going to learn something from that process nonetheless and yeah 100 yeah. percent. and just be disciplined enough to see it for the long haul exactly like, right yeah, yeah. Now, um, building a gym culture, I guess, is that something that you thought was always high of importance? I mean, you hear it sometimes, you know, you hear the old classic gym bro stories and, you know, it's, it's hard for people in general to walk into a gym, you know, yeah. get the courage to get in there. Was that something you had to kind of work on throughout or do you just employ people that kind of match your facility, if that, if that makes sense? Yeah, it. Um, I naturally enjoy making people feel welcome and, and feel like a sense of belonging. Like it's something, I remember it from like high school, reading a book and all, there was actually a full subject on the sense of belonging and that's what we sort of all yearn for. And yeah. it really stuck with me and I was like, it, it, I didn't really do it on purpose. It just, that sort of ethos has stuck with me is like always make sure people feel welcome around you. And then I think obviously, looking back, it's probably a good business trait to have yeah. is, um, you know, getting rid of the apprehension for a lot of people. There probably is a lot of people that still don't join the gym because they're apprehensive about fitting in and whatnot. But a lot of the time, once they do join, 
you know, they're like, oh, fuck, it wasn't that bad. Like, yeah, lucky I took the plunge. Um, and then with the culture to make sure we keep that, yeah, it's about hiring the right people. And we've made some not so great hires in the past and you, they come to light pretty quickly and they actually bring the whole environment down. It's not like a neutral thing. If they're not a good egg, they'll usually spoil the whole batch, which, um, you know, they're just saying hire slow and fire fast. I've probably got that wrong every time, but <laughs> <laughs> we'll work on it. <laughs> but yeah, it's exactly right. Because like that, it's like, well, fuck, I might lose five clients because of this one shitty coach. Yeah. <laughs> like, and that's just financially not going to help you, the business owner. Yeah. Yeah, and goes, then you got to rebuild. Like, it's not just the, it obviously the finances, but it's that rebuilding phase of like, what do they say? Like, if someone likes your business, they might tell one or two people. If someone doesn't like your business, yeah. they'll tell like 10. So, yeah, you've really got to knock, you know, knock that on the head pretty quickly. Yeah. What was, what's the hardest thing about it all? I mean, I, I know we're talking business with their pit, not going to the pit, like fitness and philosophy side of things, but That's good. what was the hardest thing, I guess, in, in having your own gym and the business overall? Hardest thing, yeah, keeping people happy is obviously one thing. Like you beat yourself up a lot about trying to keep people happy, and you've got to sort of realise that you can't all the time. Like you've got to do your thing. People get comfortable enough around you, and like it's almost like what we said about making people feel like they belong. It becomes a double-edged sword because the more they feel like they know you and can talk to you, the more they input they want to get, and it's not bad. It's just that this person doesn't like Olympic lifting, this person does. So you're going to make half the people unhappy all the time. Generally, like you're not going to please everyone. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then but with business, I think because there's finance involved in your future, but not just your future, you've got, um, you know, nine staff now that I'm sort of responsible for them. And I'm like, fuck, this person doesn't like this. Oh, we're going to lose that person. He's correlated with like six other people in that group. Oh, they're going to leave. And it's just constantly like, you're constantly in a state of anxiety because of what can go wrong. Yeah. That's probably the hardest part of yeah. business. And then, you know, you just don't know the future. So, I mean, it's probably the same as anything. It's not yeah. just a business related, but it, it is definitely <laughs> amplified. Yeah. Have you had to take the time out of looking after yourself a bit more and making that a priority for your, I guess, mental health and physically? Yeah, I probably don't enough. Like uh, the stage is where you, you, do, you do get pretty burnt out and then, I've got a good sport network. Obviously, you're trying to speak to as many people as you can. But yeah, probably the last person you think of is yourself. And then you just keep moving. You just keep yeah, doing it. Exactly. Yeah, right. yeah it's, it's the only way you've got to go about it. Like, it's not going yeah. to gonna fix itself and complaining, I guess. Somewhat. Yeah, exactly. It's not going to get you any step further. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. I, think, I mean, it's no different than any other facet of life. But it's just, yeah, you do feel you are looking after a lot of people. You've got the clients, you've got the coaches, you've got yourself, and then you've got, you know, the future to worry about. But yeah. I guess within an our fitness side of things, how does, I guess, Body by Brand on your program, I mean, it's a, it's a nice edge. Generally, it's a good conversation to have balancing strength and aerobic capacity and building endurance. Yeah. How do you, does Body by Brand on yourself balance that out? Do you balance it out? Do you prioritise one in a block? And how do you go about that? I guess debates in terms of um, programming structure. Yes. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> so we've gone for an approach. So a typical CrossFit program will incorporate sort of strength and conditioning is like the way that they sort of say it. But it's known for 
just um, probably less volume and more intensity. So a typical, say, CrossFit program might focus on like just today you're going for a 5K run, make sure you flog that 5K run. I like the, uh, the approach of having volume across sort of different movements, different planes, different domains. So that's the, you know, we, I sort of see most things on a continuum. So you've got like a strength end and you've got an endurance end and you want to have a mix between those 10 physical skills such as strength, speed, power, aerobic capacity, mobility, flexibility, those type of things. Um, I don't know if there is the perfect combination and it's going to vary from person to person. I find that we call like we have a term general physical preparedness, which is getting people strong enough and then getting people fit enough and then trying to build that capacity and their thresholds without going too far. So you you never want to hit that max really in training unless you're screening or testing something, correct? Like, yeah, well, yeah. it just depends. Yeah, I, I'm never a, like a massive fan of it. Just based on my body type, I know that when I push to a, you know, a top set, I usually ache and, and hurt for the next few days. But other people, different um, neurotypes might find that they prefer sort of sitting in that top end and they hate doing, say, 10 reps because they just feel like cooked and they get like doms and things like that. So um, when you're doing a general physical program like this, it is hard to please everyone because some people yeah. like that. And it's also hard to make sure that everyone's adapting the right way as well. Yeah. Um, so we do prefer, so we, with our strength programming, we'll, we'll focus on like a strength and hypertrophy sort of um, phase. So as, for example, the next 12 weeks, we've got four, three week cycles. So we'll go uh, an accumulation phase, which is like between eight and 12 reps. Then we'll go into an intensification phase, which is between sort of like that five to eight. Then we'll go back up to like six to 10. And then we'll go down to like threes and ones. So that's how we sort of undulate the program so that you're constantly hitting all aspects of that strength continuum. Um, And then with our conditioning, we're just trying to make sure that it's constantly varied in terms of length of the workout, movements within the workout, different types of aerobic versus anaerobic thresholds and those type of things there. So there is a lot of science that goes into it, but then there's also a lot of anecdotal evidence that goes into like, did it hurt? Yeah, it fucking hurt. So like, it's probably good. Like, did it hurt too much? Yeah, Yeah. let's dial it back. Those type of... uh, And client feedback would be so important amongst all that, I believe. Is that correct, mate? Like, they're saying like, fuck, I don't... You know, I don't feel that I can get more conditioned or more fitter from running. I'd rather be fucking swimming. You know what I mean? Like, and I go, well, yeah. we, we can, and then you'd have to play parts and flexibility and all that. Is that right, mate? There's, well, uh, yeah, you're right. So fit, you can only get so far on one particular movement. So running would be like a monostructural, like yeah. a single, single mode. Um, you can obviously then vary or undulate the program to be like long versus short, and then you can still get better. And that's why we constantly vary the program is that we want to be like, think of it as spinning plates. So you've got 10 plates, the 10 physical uh, adaptations, and you want to be spinning them all. So you want to get stronger for a little bit. You want to get powerful. So power is force times uh, speed. So you want to make sure you're doing that and you want to get flexible. So we're trying to do as many as we can without doing too many at once. Yeah. Yeah. You specify and then you go general. Then you specify and general. So like, that's the way we try and program. Yeah. So you wouldn't 
there wouldn't be a specific movement or monostructural movement or activity that you prefer over another. It's just always varied, always general, always something different. Yeah, yeah. it's like we, we have a term like it should be constantly varied but not random. So we might, no. we might spend a few weeks on um, trying to get better at running and then we'll do that. Like we do, we do a lot, but usually we'll specify like two or three things for a certain block. Then we might sort of move into like the assault bike where we've got more of an, a lactate response yeah. where we're trying to push that lactic threshold. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyone who's uh, been on, a lact- no, on an assault bike, you know, <laughs> you know pain. Yeah. Um, so it's like whatever you're doing, you should try and stay on there for a little bit. We do repeat workouts or repeat them close enough to the original. So, um, say if it's a run, it might be a 10K run, then you might do it, you know, you can overload in so many different ways and that's where people get it wrong. Yeah. They think overloading is only weight on the bar or more. You can overload in terms of intensity. So you can, you know, if you're talking about weightlifting, so squatting, pressing, pulling, you can change the tempo. You can change the rep scheme. You can change the set scheme. You can change um, isometrics, contraction types and those types of things. So. There's so many variables. You don't just have to put weight on the bar. Yeah, exactly. And it just encompasses that fitness is so broad. I think that, I, like, and that, that's why I kind of I would like to think I relate to you so much. It's like, I can have a dip at everything. Like, yeah, you know, that term of fitness is like people saying like, oh, well, I can you know, run a blitz on a, you know, a skier or I can swim a mile that quick, but are you truly fit? Are you truly the fittest? Like, yeah, this gets thrown around I think, too much. Like, and it's just so important that people need to kind of test themselves in other domains and just have a crack. Yeah. You suck at it or you keep the fuck. Like you get better at it by doing it. Tomorrow. Like you become a better athlete all around. Yeah. All around it. So we talk about being a generalist versus a specialist. Like, yeah, you, I think it comes from like, you know, when you're younger, like how fit are you, you know, and it's, based on cross country, which is purely aerobic and purely monostructural. So you're saying you're the fittest in that. What about if you a shot put up? Like, so if you watch any of the CrossFit stuff, like I find that their definition, their ability to define things is epic. And that's why I really love CrossFit is yeah. because they were the first to define um, definitions of like fitness um, and all those terminologies that come with it. And then obviously we've tried to take the best parts of that. We're not affiliated, but we do take a lot yeah. of their, their philosophies because for me, I enjoy being able to, you know, run five Ks, deadlift, double body weight, snatch a hundred, which I got yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> That's going on the snippet. That's yeah. going on the <laughs> Now that I'm joining the club, I'm just going to milk it. I'm just going to club. Wear a badge and that. Yeah. Um, you know, handstand, push up and then do a muscle up like on the same day. And there's not too many people like you can't get a shot putter to be like, yeah, run 5k. Like you probably die. You can't get then a sprinter to go and do a, a, maybe a muscle up or something like that. You know what I mean? So learning the skills, mastering the skills, and then being able to like see which one fades in order for the, you know, like a seesaw or spinning plates that you've got to constantly try and get better at everything without breaking. So yeah. that's the game. I think it's like a puzzle. Oh, hundred percent. I completely love that. Like I, I think, you know, I'd love for people to have that perspective. And like, so yeah. I enjoy running. Like, fuck, if you're a specialist at that, then go for it. But like, for yeah. the general population, I think we all have exactly what I said, have the right to become a better all-around athlete. Yeah. Yeah, personally, I probably need to call me figure out doing my mobility. But 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that's the thing. So we have like benchmarks and it's like, you know, can you squat snatch your body weight? And that's like a pretty standard marker. Like you, you should be able to squat snatch your body weight. And it's like, you're going to quickly find out if you can't, A, you're not strong enough, B, you don't have the mobility, C, you don't have the power. So you start to really identify or highlight where you're lacking in life as a physical yeah, being. Yeah. And it's like, it's not the fact that you can do the snatch. Like it's cool, but it's not going to change your life. But then again, is it? Because it actually, like imagine if you could do it, what else can you do? Like it's the, the snatch is like the test or the expression of that. And then everything else is like, now I can do those things. I can yeah. run, I can, you know, move well. I don't get injured. Like, yeah. Why? Do you think that's speaking about the injury side of things and the weightlifting and CrossFit kind of thing? I know you said you're affiliated. Why do you think uh, people do get so injured so much in, I guess, CrossFit sometimes? Is it just the coaching? Is it they diving too deep? Is it the movement pattern? Why do you think? Yeah. So we, yeah. yeah, it's like a combination of all that. But I think the biggest thing is people overestimate their capacity and they don't realize it hurts until they stop and they've already done too many. So we have a saying, we've sort of come up with this at our, our gym is you can only get injured if you lift too heavy, too fast, too much or too often. So, you know, if we're talking about too heavy, it's pretty obvious. Like if your body's saying that you can only deadlift a hundred, but you try and deadlift 120, probably going to fucking hurt like, yeah. actually. <laughs> maybe not in the first one but you do it a couple of times it's probably going to hurt um too fast people try and do things too fast like they're yeah. like how it should work yeah they like, say amrap body, they say amrap or something like that it's like fuck i'm going help help the skeleton here <laughs> it's exactly. going to be controlled and they just think it's hard they, they give up control instead of and all for going hard yeah and then it comes back to their goals. Like they've got to align their goals. So most people that go fast is because they have potentially a body composition uh, goal and they associate body composition with moving faster. Mm. Like, you know, when you run fast, your heart rate goes up. So therefore, if I deadlift faster, my heart rate will go up and then I'll lose more weight. Yeah. It's just the wrong way to look at it. Like yeah. you can, your heart rate's not correlated with speed. It's yeah. correlated with effort and, and gas exchange. So you can actually change how much oxygen you need by making things harder based on how much your heart has to pump and how much oxygen you need. Yeah. You know, if anyone's ever done a 10 second eccentric squat <laughs> at 60 to 80% of their one rep max, <laughs> you're going to be breathing pretty hard after it, it hurts. Like, and that's a 10 second rep. So there's no correlation at all, but people just associate the two. Um, yeah. And then in terms of, yeah, lifting too fast, that's why they get hurt. They, they prefer to, um, move fast at the expense of moving well and that's probably yeah. the biggest reason people get hurt then if you lift too much it's the same thing it's a capacity thing your body you know you might be able to lift five deadlifts at 100 go and lift 10 and it hurts lift yeah. 100 you're probably going to be really fucking hurt like people do that though and that's why crossfit they tell you how many reps to lift and you've just got to do them because you don't want to look like a bitch and finish <laughs> yeah you know, like oh i'm just going to stop here today coach and they're like no, and like that's where the bad rap comes in because the coach probably just like do the fucking work, yeah, and, then, and without taking into account like total volume throughout the session, he's going to look totally different for an athlete yeah. versus Nancy who walks in and just wants to 
yeah. you know, make sure she can pick her kids up on Tuesday without her back sore. Exactly right. And a big thing that he talks about is that mentality thing. But then also that um, video I shared not long ago, I think it was the same on Instagram, was that you put up the, that bridge analogy because, and then you're thinking, fuck, I had too many beers on the weekend and I want to go flog myself on the Monday class. And then, yeah, fuck, for the next few days and I'm going back to have a few beers with the boys on the Saturday. You're like, yeah, it, it, it's like that mentality thing that people, that you probably see so much and even I do in the general population. Yeah. Yeah, that's another one. You try and undo your bad habits by flogging yourself with good habits. And yeah. I mean, that's pretty much, it's pretty standard. I do it a lot too. Like I'm like, yeah, I'm fuck, I do it too. I've got to have some beers today. Um, beer today. So you try and flog yourself a little bit and then you try and catch up. And yeah, you said it like you do it, I do it. It's pretty normal. Like if you know you're having beers on Saturday, like I'll probably go a bit harder on Saturday and it's fine. But it's also like if you do it on Monday, your body's probably like trying to recover still. Like you probably didn't get a good recovery. So it's already like sitting at 70% and you're just topping shit on there going like, deal with the body, deal with it. Because you've got those misaligned goals. Like what are you doing it for? Are you doing it to drop body fat? Then you're probably yeah. going to be in a bad position because you're going to get hurt. Yeah, exactly right. And that's a big thing, that, that mentality thing. And the recent thing that I've been working so hard and I hope a lot of people do work hard on is basing their goals on not how they bloody look but on performance and think the fuck I wanna you know I wanna bench a hundred in six six weeks and or whatever it is two months and I think you know once you start to do that your body composition is gonna come with it in some way, shape or form I think anyways. That's just a byproduct. Yeah. yeah. It's a big mentality shift that's so hard, I think like I do it too. It's like I want to just look most jacked food, fittest food, food the gym, <laughs> but really I've just got to shift my goals to performance because that's just going to be a byproduct and I'm going to perform so much better and feel better that way. Like, yeah, definitely. I think that's why we've sort of moved along to the uh, our tagline is, you know, transform the way you look, move and feel. Yeah. So it's like you've got to hit all three pillars. Like they, don't, they go hand in hand. And I think I did a video on it. Uh, yes, they might even be over there somewhere. <laughs> um you know, there's common, the Venn diagram type set up of like, you know, if you want to perform better, you do have to have a lower body fat because not too many people in that 20 to 25% range are doing yeah. backflips, muscle ups, you know, squatting off the grass. Like it's, it goes hand in hand and they're definitely correlated. Yeah, 100%. Now, talking about, um, I guess, in performing well and making sure you're performing consistently, is there much like, recovery i guess protocols that you found um quite useful that people should dig into or that you kind of utilize for your own self no matter what it might be i think the biggest the wrong things to do not wrong just not the best use of your time people think you've got a foam roll you've got to do these things like they're very a lot of the time people get them wrong to start with they don't uh they're not efficient they foam roll too fast yeah. And the way that I see it is, um, you know, stress plus recovery equals adaptation. So you've got to make sure that you are training hard, that you're going to get enough of a stress or a stimulus that you do, you know, push your body to that point where it goes, oh, shit, like let's, uh, let's adapt a little bit here so that we can be stronger for next time. That's how the body works physiologically. But then you've also got to recover, like you said. So what is recovery? And it's um, A, a lot of the time, just time, letting your body um, go through those enzymatic processes until they recover. Um, so oxygen is one. 
food, making sure you've got enough protein to, to rebuild those muscle fibers. Um, and then probably sleep. Like there's yeah. not much to it. You yeah. can foam roll, of course. Like if you, if when you're starting to train a lot, you do get fibers that pull certain ways. Or if you've got imperfections in the way you move, one side will take more load than the other. Therefore, yeah. it'll sort of jack, jack up. But what that is and what they're starting to realize is that it's more of a signal from the brain to the muscle than anything else. And they're calling it tonality. Yeah. So how much tone is in, like not toned as you know, I want to, have a six pack tone. Like, <laughs> uh, tone is in, yeah, tonality. So it's a neuromuscular connection. Mm. And you can obviously manipulate that. Like when you get a massage, you know the difference. Like, you know, you press on a muscle for long enough, it then starts to relax. So that's one way to do it. Whereas people foam roll and all they're doing is exciting the muscle and just sort of like it feels good, like a warm hug, but it's nothing that's going to change uh, that neuromuscular connection. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. If there's one bit of advice for stretching or foam rolling, it's to slow down and let the body realize that it's not getting attacked. Yeah, exactly. Let it, let it have a chance to be like, all right, cool, this is fine. Like I'm, I'm getting a warm hug, you know, it hurts a little bit and I'm going to try and, you know, switch that muscle off until it knows that it's not in danger because that's what it thinks it is. It's like let's yeah. protect the hip. Like say if you're squatting and you get a sore hip, it's like, Usually it's because it's doing so much work and it's just like holding the hip together, yeah. figure out what's going on and then you can start to change it. Yeah, exactly right. And, you know, you talk about, and they're the, like everyone's, it's the four pillars or the three pillars, you know, the nutrition, the sleep, you know, and you know, it's, it's not going to be the supplements that you take. Or, yeah, they're the one percenters and they add up, but the, the pillars yeah. are the sleep and nutrition. People just, you know, people love, and it's that mentality thing of being on that new, you know, the new big, protocol is going to help you recover five percent more or you know like or whatnot but really if you're not sleeping well again you're eight or nine hours or whatever you want to mean jack shield <laughs> yeah, yeah. 100%. yeah yeah supplements is a big big game like i don't take any subs yeah um, really like you sometimes i go through a stage where if i'm really trying to watch my protein intake like i call it an insurance policy if you're not eating enough steak if you're not eating enough um you know protein say for my target's 200 and i can only hit 160 because i'm feeling full and i just feel shit if i eat 200 grams of actual food like uh protein then i could top it up because it's 100 percent protein like yeah that's that's what you should use it for as people use it the wrong way and they think more is better it's not it's like have enough get to the point where you have enough yeah. and your body because um yeah the reason why sleep works so well is obviously the hormones that get released and you can't match these hormones through a supplement. So growth hormone is obviously one of the bigger ones that yeah. uh, comes out when you're in that deep REM sleep. So if you're not getting enough REM sleep, you're not getting enough hormones and that testosterone circula uh, circulating around the body, yeah. your muscles won't recover. Yeah. So you can take as many such as you want. Have you um, delved into Matthew Walker's stuff? I'm sure you probably have. Like, uh, While We Sleep, his book, he did that podcast with Joe Rogan. Like, oh, no. Nah. Definitely, I might, I'll flick it to you, Matthew Walker. He wrote the book While We Sleep, and he talks. He's a neuroscientist and um, sleep doctor, and he just talked like just dropped facts about sleep hygiene and all that kind of stuff and things like that. And just how much of a pandemic it is. They're not sleep. I know yeah. it's all a pandemic. Like people aren't getting enough sleep, and that's why we're so stressed out and drained out. And 
think why we're not performing so well or just being unhappy shit. <laughs> it's because we're just yeah. not asleep. Yeah, I'll definitely watch Flicker TR. It's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Something so simple, hey, and we just get it wrong. Like, we want that extra out or it's Netflix or flick through our phones. Like, it's, you know, yeah. It. yeah. Yeah. It and was it's... worse when I was coaching 5.30 starts. Like, now, you know, two or three days I'm up early, but then the other two days I can sort of sleep till 6.30, 7 o'clock. Yeah. You feel a lot better on those days. Oh, exactly right. And I've been up. And just like, God, I think coffee is a beautiful thing, but I'll try to cut out the, personally, the midday coffee. And I know yep. this week, and the missus was hounding me for it. And then, like, I noticed this week, I got to cut out lunch. My sleep was, I didn't wake up in the night. I was back. So, and I generally always sleep good. Like, generally, I just slept straight through to me alarm. Like, it was amazing. Like, just like that. Yeah. Like, then I think a lot of people in general society can just try to make these little things that help the main pillar, like sleep nutrition. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of nutrition, do you, have a general philosophy about that yourself? Is it more performance-based for you or is it just adjust how you go, how you feel, you don't count calories? How's that for you, mate? So when it comes to general day-to-day, because of like I've counted calories in the past, I've done pretty much most things and just to sort of wrap my head around it as like for, you know, for a career, obviously. Um, so I try and eat real foods as much as I can um, so that's like not food like substances. So making sure that, you know, eggs, those other things that come from what's the saying for it, uh, swims, runs or grows, like it's probably pretty good for your body. Like if it's coming in a packet, it's probably not. So uh eating high quality foods in the right proportions or quantities for your goal is the the saying that I've come up with for clients and then I've started to know my body and what it needs. So if I have a big training day, I'll eat a little bit more. When we go through, like, say if I go on holidays and I binge pretty hard on the holidays, so if I come back and want to shed a couple of kilos, I'll usually count if I wanted to. Like, I'll yeah. use that my fitness power. Just more so just tracking. Like, I don't get too obsessed with the numbers. It's more just like, oh, cool. Like, you know, you are in the right sort of levels because you can go pretty over the top. Like, most people underestimate how much they're eating by about 30 to 50%. Oh, 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we get our clients that have never tracked to track and it's not so much about the calories. It's literally just tracking what you're eating. So it's in front of your face and you're going, fuck, I had four Kit Kats today. Like that's not great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And like, and with the tracking stuff, it also comes in, I guess that flexible aspect where, you know, it's all right. If you can put it in your budget, your calorie budget, you can have that bit of chocolate. If you're right, 95% of the rest of the day, you know, you don't, it shifts your mentality with a better relationship with food because I recently did like a stint on the method. Um, oh, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. And I lost like four or five kegs just to get more better because obviously it's just going to help with a bit of yeah. stuff. And I actually found that, you know, I could fit this shit in and I didn't actually really generally want to binge because like, yeah. week because I was just like enabling myself to count this stuff during my week itself. And it was just, just that shift in mentality in our relationship with food just changed. There's so many different strategies out there and like that's, we try and bring across the point, like one of my favorite quotes, (laughs) (laughs) one of my favorite um, like quotes is, you know, you should delve into principles, not methods, because once you understand principles, the methods um, can be interchangeable. So like what you're saying, like you, you found 
faith in the fact that you could have that little bit of, uh, you know, 5% dodginess to make up for 95. But if you didn't have that, you felt like you had the bins. And that's like a, obviously comes down to environmental context and also prehistorical context of the way your family brought you up and your environment, those sort of things. So we do have a lot more external pressures these days to have, you know, things that influence the way that we relate to food. And you've got to just um, find your method. Like I, I don't have the cleanest diet yeah. in the world, but it's um, it works for me. And I know, understand the principles. Like I'm pretty much, like you said, most days I just eat the same thing and I understand the concept of calories and macros. So it, for me, it's fine. And I can sort of, I've got that buffer. Whereas if you don't understand the principles, you're going to be clutching at straws trying to just, you know, you don't know what's working and what's not. Yeah, exactly right. Exactly right. And, what, uh, and people get, it's sounding to me that people get so tribal about nutrition sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> like like <it's>, religion. <laughs> yeah, it literally is, isn't it? It's it is, yeah. Like, like people think they, they, they think this is the thing that's going to help you lose all the five kilos in one week and a new whole person. And then is it sustainable? And that's the biggest question now of it all. And I feel you probably might agree with that as well. Yeah. 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 There's uh, so many polarizing opinions out there, isn't there? Like, you know, the carnivore versus vegan. Yeah. There is, um, you know, there's some, mentors and like friends of mine that are really into it and i respect them a lot like i try my best to sort of you know follow what they're talking about in terms of like eating high quality foods some of them are going quite deep into the rabbit hole of obviously making sure there's no preservatives no gum extracts like no colors flavors and it's like obviously that's the best way to eat it makes sense because if you look at the gut biome and the microbiome of the gut they shouldn't have these external process things coming in and killing them and that's why we're all feeling so shit starts from the gut but you know try and it's just about are you willing to give up what you've got in order to shed your skin and become someone new and a lot of us aren't and we've just got to deal with the consequences that if we're not willing to eat real food a hundred percent of the time you're not gonna you know and have that long sustainable sort of body composition and and feeling that you want a hundred percent yeah i completely agree and i think and our society is kind of driven that where we're just going to go for the most convenient thing possible like, convenient, yeah. if it's just going to be three shakes a day helps me from, you know like from getting me through my night shift or whatever, whatever it is it's just like again like is that sustainable and it's just that society's driven us to the point of something that's well we've tried everything else and i'm, I'm vulnerable enough to try that thing. Like, yeah it's yeah and that's where the unhealthy relationship comes from and it is convenient and it's also you know industrial or commercialism that's it's driving it and it's not going to stop for the majority of people yeah. until they realize that it's too late unfortunately exactly right exactly right and, and another big thing i love about you is you know, is that this is going to sound pretty tag me you're a fucking happy bloke and you always talk about stoicism you read the daily stoic a fair bit and i love that for people who don't have that i reckon get it i've got it as well ryan halliday wrote it yeah, anyone can read that. Eh? Like, it's one page a day, <laughs> and it's, it's so good, and it sets it for the whole day. But have you, like, I guess, always been like? Has, been, has that been something you always continue to work on? And then you seem to look at the most positive side of things, and especially now, like in Victoria, we're in a pretty shit state again, unfortunately. Yeah. And I've been dealing it with work, and New South Wales uh, have a couple of clusters. But how do you keep so like a positive in the center? You're always like that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I mean, uh, 
the, uh, the boys at work probably when they see me face deep in my laptop like this and if I get it you know, <laughs> always the happiest like uh, I hate being uh, I, I think deeply a lot about things and I hate getting interrupted Same, and it uh, ruins my thought pattern and, I'm like, yeah. and then I get frustrated <laughs> then I get frustrated myself for getting frustrated but 90% <laughs> of the time <laughs> 90% of the time I am uh, yeah I, I don't know I just feel like the world is a good place and if you if you want it to I don't um, I've always been against people being a victim it's just and then and then I found stoicism or like philosophy and I really like resonated with it on a deep level and was like yes like these guys get it and they're like a thousand years ago and they just sort of like said these things that talked about living above the line making sure that you control the controllable like and I was like yeah people need to hear this and like I want to sort of make sure that I'm expressing that and, and yeah. communicating it to people that, you know, but it's also one of those things you try and put positivity in the face of someone who's in a negative mindset and it can often drive them further. So yeah, yeah, I try not to push it too much on people. It's just like, I'll throw it up in the air. If you want to grab it, you can, you can grab it and hopefully you get it before it's too late. Um, but yeah, I find that each day I just wake up. Yeah. Good. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah <but> <laughs> You're completely right. Like you've got to meet people, you know, yeah. where they are, like at what point they are. Like, fuck. So obviously, some people need a bit more different help. But you know, if we're talking generally here, like you know, the big thing, that victim mentality, is such a big thing. Like, fuck. Why does he get to hit all these goals? I should fucking do that. Blame game, complain, and like, yeah, I completely agree. I, I look back at my own thing, and when I was at, not shit, it's like being grumpy yourself, throwing out that victim term. So you know. Like blame and not taking the ownership on myself, like, and then and that's a big part of it as well. Like you were saying, I'm stopping that mentality. Hundred percent, yeah. You can. You're the only one that can control what you can control. Like, you know, your your outlook usually, or your perception of reality is usually different to what reality actually is. So yeah. Like, yeah. You're the one that controls your perception of of how you view that sort of topic, and then, yeah. yeah. Do you meditate? I try as much as I can. Like I've done meditation, like I've done a weekend away type thing. And I do it. I feel a lot better when I do it. I probably don't do it enough as, as what I advocate it. Like anything, yeah. do, as, do as I say, not as I do. But <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I definitely like I, when I do it, I feel so much better for it. And I try and get in those rhythms of doing it most days. But like anything, so how much do you value it? Yeah, it's one. Yeah, and again, I say it, it's probably like a tool like people can access or utilize when they do need it. Like, yeah. So only a very few can probably keep it sustained and like any other diet, like any other lifestyle choice, it's hard. Like it's fucking life. But, you know, yeah. there's a time you know, for a week or two where you can just kind of somewhat stick at it and you get through that patch and why not? Like, why, why not? Yeah, and that's the thing. It's like you you said perfectly right. Like it's a tool. So someday, some weeks you might feel like you'd, you know, you're just doing life and, and you're doing fine. Like there's no need to make it a, a habit and then get stressed about it, that you're not doing it. Not like, doing it. Yeah. I forgot to meditate today. I forgot to meditate. Yeah, like yeah. fucking meditate or don't meditate. Like if you feel good, yeah. you know, if you forgot and you just want to wake up and you're feeling good and yeah. you're gone. If yeah. you feel like, you know, sometimes I look at my phone, I'm like, haven't stopped thinking all day. I'm not really doing anything. I'll be like, oh, cool. Where's my headspace? I'll do five minutes. Yeah. And three you know three conscious breaths is meditation as long as you're thinking and connecting 
and you don't just get stuck in that rat race, um, then yeah, you're on a, on a winner. Yeah, exactly right. It's about, you know, mindfulness gets thrown around a lot. Like, it's also being mindful of those thoughts. It doesn't have to be sitting there um, breathing deep and barking in a robe and at a retreat. <laughs> a pole, but, um, <laughs> like, it can be just being conscious of your thoughts or the act of doing nothing, like, of literally just doing nothing and being okay with that because we're so inflicted about having to be somewhere and do something and yeah. worry about this next thing, you know, who's going to do the dishes, I'm still living with my parents, I fucking hate it. Like, all yeah. those kind of things. Like, but really, it's being. It's as tacky and as cliche as it sounds, oh, that's my belief. It's just being there. And, yeah. Um, one of the biggest things with that is, you know, I think a lot of people probably feel like it too and it's hard sometimes uh from my point of view is like i'll go down to meditate say if i'll be like oh i'll go down to the beach i'll just sit there and i'll just breathe and then i'm like all right cool i've got to film it because i've got to put it on instagram because you know i'm constantly like and then i'm like oh am i doing this because i'm trying to get validation that you know i've ticked up meditation everyone's gonna think i'm wholesome but then on the other hand i'm like you know if i never put it on instagram at all then i'm not helping anyone so I, i live in this constant battle of like be zen and don't tell everything versus like everyone always says, I love when you like put education out there and teach us what you're doing. It's like, fuck, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. Like yeah. you're trying to be zen. It's like if you're doing a good deed for someone and you feel like you've got to put it on Facebook, like if you don't, did you actually do it? Or? <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Like, I completely feel the same. Like I think, I guess, both our generations, I guess. And yeah, like it's always like it's not validated unless you put it on the Insta story or something like that. Like it, it doesn't count, or it doesn't count. Okay. Like, fuck, what's that? Is that some saying? Or, or even like um, Strava. It's on Strava. It doesn't count. Like, yeah. I've heard that a few times with the boys. Like, fuck, really? Like, I wonder what I wonder what happened like back in the day. But look, like, you exactly yeah. right. like you know, even kindness and happiness and doing being a good fucking person. Like, there's no you don't no you don't expect something back in return. Like, yeah, good thank yous, all right, but. Uh, it's just about being a good fucking human being, which I think people have forgotten, especially now. I think. Yeah. Uh, especially now, I hope people kind of um, reflect back and think, well, much more to life than being materialistic shit. So yeah. And being a bit more authentic and just for people smashing their life up. So. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, but social media also, like me and you, it's been it's an amazing tool. Like it's a great tool as well to connect with people, and like you said inspire some people and put through a good message as well and that's it yeah i it's a, a double-edged sword is um it's a great tool to express what you're you know to help people and that's my biggest thing is like you know continually learn and then and then teach people what you've learned that's i wake up every day and that's all i want to do like that's what makes me happy and for me that doesn't seem like work um is because i just enjoy education so and then either side either getting it or giving it is just what I love doing. So that's why I was saying like, it's like you want to send it to people, but then you're like, Oh, I should actually just be enjoying the moment and not thinking about that constantly, like putting things on Insta. But then again, it's such a great tool to convey philosophy and, you know, training styles and, and all those things. And it's about like being authentic as well. Just knowing that what you're putting out there and what you're sharing is actually genuinely a part of you and like not for someone else or not for someone else validation or credibility something that you genuinely love to fucking do like you yeah know, you know i love a good song and share that you know actually yeah. <laughs> like, i like bumping that yeah like getting that kind of stuff like you know like whatever or not it's just about being true to yourself it's, again 
Yeah, 100% authenticity for sure. Yeah. Well, what wrapping it up, what's, I guess, your goals and what's the future hold for yourself for Grand A, like in the gym and any plans that you could probably share or anything else that you're aiming towards in the coming you know, years? I know it's pretty hard at the moment to plan for anything, but what's, what's the future looking like for yourself, mate? Yeah, we're, I'm getting a lot clearer on this, actually. We, I've got big sort of dreams to create what's called like the academy and it's going to sort of be three pillars. It's going to be a client's or yeah, client experience where they'll get programming and they'll get education portal. I, you know, just teaching people the basics, or for what I call the basics, is like learning how to train, learning how to eat well and breaking down my sports science degree into a very digestible product that people can understand is what I really want to do. So that's pillar number one. Pillar number two is helping coaches. You know, I've got a, an idea that's going to be called sort of like a course to coach. So you take people from cert three and four, which, you know, is what it is. They just try and pump you out in those six week courses <laughs> and then try and help those coaches develop the capacity to be world-class coaches across sort of like a 12 month period where they can connect with, other coaches and sort of go through the modulated courses that we're trying to build. And the third one is business. So once you've got to that stage where you're ready to open a business, we'll have that built out as well. That's unreal, mate. That sounds unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. So I hope there's a few people out there that uh, the hair's pricked up on that one because it's pretty exciting from this end. So Uh, once you've done your third. Yeah. I'll be jumping straight in. Log me in. I'll fire it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to be online. That's the best part. Oh, sick. Yeah, definitely sign me up. Fuck it up. Anyway, brother, I'll leave you to it. Enjoy your Saturday. Treat yourself with a couple of beers or something, mate. It's been a wonderful time to chat with you. And um, definitely be keeping in touch. I think people will get a lot out of this. Thanks, brother. Appreciate it. Thanks, mate. How about that for an episode, guys? I hope you all really enjoyed that one. Quick shout out to my man, Michael Peters, the man behind the camera. And also big, big love to 3 PC for allowing us to utilize the studio space. Without you guys, none of this would be possible. So big thank you. Please make sure you all follow at a chat with Pat on Instagram. Subscribe to the podcast via Spotify and iTunes and please don't be afraid to leave a review. We are open to all feedback to make this as good as possible for all our listeners. Stay safe and all my love, guys. You.